Hello, my name is Ginny O, and I'm a world traveling nomad and founder of Wander. And welcome to another episode of Pass the Mic by the Rosie Report podcast. In each episode, the guest from last week talks to another incredible trailblazer who bravely opted out of traditional employment and turned their life's work towards a mission that is also changing the paradigm of work. So if you tuned in last week, you've heard Tammy Bialand interviewing me about inclusivity and mental health in workplaces. And this week, I'm so excited to chat with Brad Grossman, founder and CEO of consulting and publishing company Zeitguide, as well as creator and host of Zeitguide's Culture Class. Brad, welcome to the show. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. and Great to meet you, Jenny. Like I said before this, I wish I was interviewing you because... I don't know. I don't know anything about software. So uh, fascinated. I, I guess that's what I do. I'm supposed to learn and teach, but we'll get to that. Great to be here. Thanks, Jean. Great to meet you. And I'm super excited to be learning from you on this interview. So you've been on major publications such as New York Times, Fortune and Fast Company, talking about how leaders can stay on top of trends and be culturally relevant to the best uh, to be best prepared for the future. Could you elaborate a little bit on what this really means? Yeah, absolutely. So I basically just say while everybody's doing their real jobs and like focusing, like for example, you, like who is hustling and shaping and creating an enterprise that's successful and helps people survive and adapt today and help them with the future on a technological level, I would say. Um, and that's what you do and other people do a gazillion other things. My job is to literally study, track, and imagine the story of cultural change. Like I am literally devouring, um, information, conversation, pop culture, um, how people work and live, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and kind of think through how it impacts business and society on a global level. So what I usually say is that I help people become, maintain or become or expand their role as a cultural leader. I don't like to say thought leader because thought leaders just think. My job is to help visionaries understand what's bubbling up around them in the wider world and create magic that uh, can turn into cultural success because they are culturally shaping society. And with all this craziness going on in the last eight months or so, and even before that, because the world was never um, was never easy to live in and there's been many systemic problems, um, to hopefully shape a future of uh, humanity and peace and uh, excitement. So, specific, so that's like on the macro level, on a specific level, um, I'm just trying to feel the signals and s- synthesizing them through my own curiosity. And because people have little time and it's really hard, especially now, and it's really hard to really step back and think about it, you know, my job basically is to drill it down for people to help them know what they need to know, or even what they're curious about, but they don't really have time and help make sure they comprehend what's going on so that they could stay smart, culturally relevant and uh, prime for future success. And that's my goal. It's about inspiration. It's about curiosity. It's about cultural relevance. 
And it's about thinking about your place in the world and how you can make it better. Being part of the cultural zeitgeist and my company is called Zeitgeist. So I'm a guide to the zeitgeist. There you go. Gotcha. So you're essentially taking an enormous amount of information about what's happening in the current world. And you're helping leaders to cut through more of that information as it relates and impacts their business, right? And how, and how they can be a lot more culturally aware and ahead of trends. Yeah. And not just their business, but also as citizens of the world, right? I mean, the trend I've been following is about how company leaders, right? And Jamie Dimon of JP Morgan said this probably, I don't know, a year and a half ago at the business roundtable about how businesses more than ever have to focus on their uh, stakeholders as opposed to their shareholders, right? So to be a leader today isn't just to be a successful CEO, whether it's an emerging company, a technological company, or you know GE, which is one of the ten, you know uh, one of the first companies ever built. It's like how are you shaping and getting everybody in your company to shape society in a positive way? and focusing on your stakeholders. So it's about looking at your business, but it's also looking at yourself as a collective citizen of the world. Of course, and there's so much to leadership than just also what's happening within your business. There's also externally how you're being presented as the leader as well. There's so much pressure nowadays. <laughs> yeah, oh, wow, yes, there is. But when there's pressure, that's also good pressure because it's also, I just had a conversation with one of my clients about power, right? And the, and the symbolic notion of power and what it means. So, you know, one of the good things about where we are right now, culturally in the COVID era, is that it's a magnifier of all, can I curse, the shit that has plagued our society and the world, and hopefully an accelerator to, you know, what we want the world to be like. That's, that's my optimistic side of things. That's my brand optimism. But, okay. yeah, but you need to have optimism or you can only have optimism if you understand the detriment. Right? And, that's and, and that knowledge is power. And I'm curious, how, like, why is this so important to you? Like, why is this a personal mission of yours? To what specifically? Well, to one, to keep everybody culturally informed. Like, uh, why you, why this? And why now, essentially? Because things only work or are successful if you understand the context of why things are happening or how things happened before, right? And, you know, clearly, like in this today's zeitgeist, so to speak, right? And, you know, I don't want to get too political, even though the zeitgeist is all about politics. Like, even said to Jesse, I'm like, you know, you sure you don't want to do this after the election? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's funny, like a lot of my clients and a lot of the people that I have uh, meetings with, they're all like right now, all right, let's book it after the election. It's like, I don't know. I think the next two weeks are going to be like, I don't know, people aren't going to be working as much. But, um, you know, I mean, history repeats itself and we've had signals before that we don't necessarily um, ingest and take seriously, like the 20, uh, the 1918 pandemic or influenza, right? Uh, or Bill Gates telling us 15 years ago that there's gonna be a pandemic or that the administration created, last administration, not ours now, 
um, you know, created a game plan for how uh, the future administration or the current administration should deal with the pandemic. So, you know, there's a lot of things and Nassim Taleb called it a black swan that can just throw you a curveball, right? And this is a curveball that we might not necessarily really thought about, but if you understand the way that society is being shaped, then you can listen to that and understand how to drive your business and anything you do forward. So it's interesting, you know, just to give you context. So I do write a cultural almanac every year. Um, I think this year I'm going to do it video wise because, you know, you said publisher, I guess I turn more into a producer of talks and content that aren't just written. And the theme of January going to this year was the world's on fire, right? And what I tried to show in that uh, zeitgeist was that the world was on fire. We had hashtag me too. We had global protests all around the world. Uh, we had Greta Thunberg traveling around the world, you know, warning us against climate change and how to reduce that systemic problem. So it's, it's you know, you still had to know about that. And then this one comes, COVID. And, you know, if you understand that there's, you know, moving forward, that anything could hit us without us realizing it, uh, it really could disrupt everything. So it's about being aware and then being curious of where things could go. Of course. And what would you, what would your advice be for those leaders who want to stay curious, but they're so heads down with their day to day and, you know, things are being on fire and they have to take care of uh, layoffs. They have to take care of, um, you know, being quarantined and making sure that everyone's mental health is on tack. Like, how would you say that the uh, the leaders can stay culturally relevant when they well, you just you just you, you, you yeah so you just use the or said the words mental health right um i feel that that ceo who has an initiative of focusing on mental health and being empathetic and sensitive to that right and understanding that it's not a a, a stigma but it's actually or I like to say that the brain is an organ just like your heart, right? So it's not really a psychological disease. It's also a physiological disease, right? And the fact that this CEO is focusing on that means that that person is tapped into the zeitgeist, right? So you don't have to, you just, if you feel and listen, talk to people and wonder, right, how you know, wonder and see that there's a collective consciousness and also talk to people, talk to your peers and empower people who are working with you, then you are curious and you are shaping the future based on where the culture is now. And hopefully it'll take the culture in a positive direction. So I would argue that that CEO who is inundated and focusing on layoffs and mental health is part of the zeitgeist. And that person shouldn't be alone in trying to solve that problem. I so resonate with that a lot. Um, thank you for saying that. You know, I think a lot of people underestimate like the power of just listening, like listen to your employees, listen to 
your managers and just hear them out. You don't have to actually solve their problem, but just being there with them and just saying like, hey, like I'm, I, I, I hear you. I understand what you're going through. And I think that could be really, really powerful. Um, I think that's one of the benefits of, of COVID right now. Now, of course it's, let's use Trump's word because I, you know, <laughs> let's not get uh, political, but like, I don't know, I can't help from sometimes chuckling when he uses the word disaster, right? I mean, that, that is, I'm sorry to laugh, it's serious. But yes, I mean, that's that's the disaster, right? If, you know, COVID is a disaster, but it's also in the situation that we are in right now, like I said, is illuminating or putting a microscope on problems that have always been uh, impacting your employees and therefore causing them to to suffer. I mean, one of the other subjects I wrote about literally in the last five years, right? I would say yeah, 20, if I would, now I would define the 2010s as the disruption decade, right? If we were to write a history book right now, which I do every year, right? Uh, and we're entering this new period in the 2020s. And, um, you know, what I've, been really thinking about is that, you know, what has happened in that turning point where we started seeing this tech lash, right? Like where technology wasn't just a disruptor that were creating amazing businesses like yours. Although I do not know when you started your organization, like, was it in, what year did you start? 2015, exactly five years. Right. So you listened to the zeitgeist, right? You knew that any business that was going to succeed today has to be a digital company, right? One of my clients was GE uh, back in the Beth Comstock years, who is, uh, I consider to be such a, a cultural listener and tapped into the zeitgeist. I guess that's why she hired me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, she was basically saying that, uh, uh, you know, GE has to be a industrial digital company. So like you understood that. And again, I don't really know what you did before, but you tapped into the zeitgeist and created a successful business that connected with it. But you also understand that after that, that's when like technology started getting a little, you know, uh, you started seeing the bad side of it, right? You started seeing you know, fake news, just startup and misinformation. We were in the filter bubble. We saw uh, the election be tampered with. We saw so many teenagers addicted to technology and the highest suicide rates from teenagers ever. And this was bubbling up in the workplace too. People were so burned out. They were so busy. And in addition to answering all those emails that they can't keep up with, they had to travel every day, right? So I think that COVID in terms of a cultural shift has helped everybody see that. Now, I spoke to a friend today who said that he misses traveling because he used to travel like every day, but- oh, Don't get me started on that. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I think that uh, people were really burnt out before and now we're really seeing this illuminated and yeah. So I'm appreciative that you're really focusing on it. That's, that's amazing. I think every company should, it's kind of like the new benefits. I think you shouldn't just get a 401k and health benefits. Um, you should be getting some like mental health benefit too. I think. Right. Of course, COVID is definitely shining the light on mental health now. So going into 2021, and it's so crazy to think that 
the new year is just kind of right around the corner. I feel like we just started quarantining like not too long ago. Um, how do you see- Oh, really? I feel like it was a decade ago. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. 2020 just kind of came and gone for me. Um, so how do you see 2021 shaping? Like what are some cultural um, events or um, uh, influence do you predict would happen in the new year? Okay. So thank you for asking that. I love that question because I guess that's what I do think about that all the time. And I mean, one of the things that I've always said pre COVID, because like I have, you know, like a speaking agent or a book agent and all that kind of stuff. And you know, they, they I, we all need, since I'm just like a, an individual who provides a service that you know, they've been, people would position me as like the futurist. And I said before, it's like, I hate that. It makes me so uncomfortable because, you know, there are so many futurists who spout ideas like it's dogma. Meanwhile, none of them basically said maybe for Bill Gates that we were going to have a pandemic any second. But <laughs> I always say that like anybody who calls himself a futurist is sort of uh, BS because nobody really knows the future. Right. So uh, I would always say to my clients and my audience, like, I'm not the futurist. You're the futurist. My job is to help prepare you for the future. So in terms of the future, I don't think anybody knows. I mean, in two weeks in the election, where is it? I, maybe it's less than two weeks. I don't even know, but I'm scared. But <laughs> after that, I mean, whatever direction that goes in, that is going to shape the future. Right. And there's so many things that we still don't really know. Right. I mean, we don't really know what's going to happen with COVID. We don't really know what our real relationship is between us and Russia, China and Iran. Right. We don't really know what's going to happen with the Supreme Court. Um, so all that stuff is kind of up in the air. I want to think positively about everything. But what's going to happen and that's more on a societal global issue. But what's going to happen and what we can control is relying people like you, Jimmy, because, you know, one thing that's also that's the societal global level. But on a business level, what's really happening, especially now, you and I are doing this digitally through a software program called Zoom, that technology has been accelerated. So while all the retail stores, physical stores are suffering the malpocalypse or the retail apocalypse now, those that are gonna survive invested the right way and produce the right circumstances where they will be culturally relevant to you know, the digital world that we're all living in right now. We're not even living in a physical world. We're living. So I feel that that's something that's definitely going to happen, right? The acceleration of technology is going to accelerate the change of business that started bubbling up in what I've been calling the disruption era, right? So, and therefore we could also, which I also think is exciting. We also have the lesson. Right. And this is why I think it's so interesting that Google and the other companies are being accused for monopolistic policies. What we can uh, learn from the last five years or so, and now in this misinformation error, that we need to be careful in the way that we create technology. Right. 
And that is something that we can all control, but we have to make sure there almost should be like a humanitarian technology alliance, right? Because I even wrote a piece for the Wall Street Journal probably like five years ago, right? When this was bubbling up about how uh, the fact that all AI software designers, and I guess not you, uh, but most of them are created and shaped by white men. Right. And if you don't uh, uh, encourage and welcome and hire and promote uh, women and people of color or anybody who has been marginalized in culture based on this patriarchal order that we've had, then they're going to produce a digital society that's only going to be welcoming to white men and everybody else is going to be it's not going to be relevant for them. And me goosebumps. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Well, what you said is just so on point. It's like, who are the designers who are designing the digital world for the future? And it's so important to have diversity in that. Right. And so that's what I study. Like, how is the world being shaped? And how can we shape the world so that we don't have any more systemic problems moving forward? I mean, somebody's going to have to figure out how to fix our government, right? <laughs> and the way that we vote, right? And it's kind of like the startups that disrupt the businesses, who's going to disrupt our government now? Now, Trump tried to do that, right? And he did, actually. Um, but who's going to disrupt and reconstitute it for the better good? Oof, yeah, I think that's going to be an ongoing decade, if not century long uh, progress. Well, it's <laughs> interesting. I mean, look at all the other problems that we're still suffering from, like racism and misogyny. Yeah. You know, like, look at that. I mean, that's started in eons ago. You know, it's like anybody, okay, culturally speaking, anybody who really wants to try and understand the world today and be relevant, it's like, you know, so many people have been so into the new, 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 but like, look at all the stories. Like I'm, I'm talking about the Western stories, like Greek mythology and uh, Shakespeare and movies and, you know, and then also the undercurrent of stories that haven't been part of our literary canon. So, you know, these are things that have been shaped in eons and you're right. It's going to take a lot of work, but I am very, uh, positive about the fact that society and culture changes so quickly that if we really want things positive to happen, you know, the world is, is so fast paced that, you know, hopefully goodness will happen much more quickly and we won't have to wait centuries to dismantle the hegemony. Right. So, um, that, that's, that's the positive now, but we have to realize that technology in the last two decades created our own version of how of 2001 space odyssey, mm -hmm. right? This is like a, Facebook is basically how we had no control and look what's happening. Exactly. And, and Brad, my last question to you, since you mentioned you write, you're essentially writing history books every year. Is there anything from history that we've learned that can be applied for the future in terms of how we can improve our society culturally? All right, let's talk about our country and how it was founded, right, by the people. Now, they were. it was founded by the white male slave-owning framers, right? 
but at least they were able to create a new world that they thought was better than the old world that they were living in, which clearly they were. We wouldn't be America, right? So if we kind of go back in history, but put on this new progressive, you know, lens on, right? We can reframe, reconstitute, relearn or unlearn and then relearn like whatever the new framing of the society that we're living in now and tomorrow. So like if we were to rewrite a constitution right now, what would it be? And clearly if the current nominee gets in there, that will be very problematic. But, you know, do we need the Supreme Court or the government to actually do that? We didn't need the government to create America. I'm not encouraging another revolutionary war. <laughs> but, I mean, if we think so, 2020 at this point, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> right. Well, it's happening in the rest of the world. And that's why people have to understand culture and the zeitgeist to see, like, if it's happening in Honduras or uh, uh, Belarus, like, why can't it happen here? Anything's possible. Anyway, Brad, thank you so much for talking with me about what it means to be culturally relevant. Um, where can people find your work online? They go to zeitguide.com, Z-E-I-T, which means time in German, and then guide. So zeitgeist is the spirit of the time. So zeitguide is the guide to the zeitgeist. And you said publishing, but you know, I turned it to life by Zoom through software where I could scale the work that I do with companies and organizations, um, but also bring these digests that I would write every year to life. And that's definitely the, the zeitgeist right now. It's like experience things on an empathetic level. So I'm continuing to evolve and teach what you need to know so you could be best prepared moving forward and know what you need to know. And they can, I have these culture classes that they could be a part of. So yeah, zeitguide.com. And of course I'm on social media, but uh, Zeitguide Brad. And uh, that's it. Ginny, I, I, could we set up another call? I want to learn everything about you. Of course. And I'll definitely be joining your culture class. I want to learn as much as possible from you. So, all right, guys, that's it for this week's episode of Pass the Mic by The Rosie Report. Next week, I'll be passing the mic to Brad, who's going to be interviewing Walton Smith. We are Rosie's very own head of content and community engagement, as well as founder of Black Woman Owned. Again, my name is Ginny O. Oh. Thank you so much for tuning in. And if you love this episode, please subscribe to the Rosie Report podcast on Spotify and Anchor. And be sure to check out more stories on building a future of work for everyone. Bye, everyone at therosyreport.com.